Hey everybody, before we get started, I just wanted to jump on because we are so excited to announce that Restore Registration is officially open. We can't wait to be with you again this year. It's going to be on September 5th through 7th at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, Utah. That's the evening of September 5th and then all day on the 6th and the 7th. Three days of incredible speakers, poets, musicians, and artists. We really think that what we have planned will blow you away again this year, so you won't want to miss it. Go to faithmatters.org slash restore for tickets and we'll see you there. Hey everybody, this is Aubrey Chavez from Faith Matters. Today we're so excited to share with you another gem from our Restore Gathering last year. This is a presentation by Jeff Strong. Now his name may sound familiar to you because Jeff also came on for an incredible episode called Getting Real About Missionary Work about a year ago. That was episode number 124, and we highly recommend it if you haven't heard it. It continues to be one of our top five most listened to episodes, and for good reason. But in today's episode, you're going to hear about Jeff's experience as a mission president of the Bentonville, Arkansas Mission, where he and his wife led a phenomenally successful pilot program with their missionaries. I'll let Jeff fill in the details, but I'll tell you that it has totally revolutionized the way we have imagined missionary work, and we can't wait for you to hear about it. I also want to mention that there are some really interesting visuals in this presentation, and it actually begins with a video where you'll hear from Jeff and his wife, Sarah, and then also from the missionaries and some of the members of the community of the Bentonville, Arkansas mission. So if you'd like to see this presentation, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch the whole thing there. To tell you a little bit about Jeff, in addition to serving as a mission leader with his wife, Sarah, from 2018 to 2021 in the Bentonville mission, Jeff has worked as a senior level executive at several multinational companies and has spent almost three decades in management. He's also worked as a consultant and private equity advisor and has served as a special project director at BYU's Marriott School of Business, where he led the startup of the Marketing Lab. All right, we really hope that you enjoy this presentation by Jeff Strong. Without introduction, I'm going to share a video with you. You know, uh, it was December of 2018, and Sarah and I had been to a sacrament meeting in Branson, Missouri, and we were on our way home. And I always have, uh, you know, a couple of phone calls I need to make on those trips. And one of those phone calls was to Elder and Sister Carr. They were a senior couple that had recently been called to our mission. And I just wanted to call them and get acquainted with them so that I could get some inspiration about where they should serve in our mission. And so we had a lovely chat. And what I learned about them is that they were just serve experts and they had this incredible talent and passion for just serve. And so I just kind of mentally filed that away and hung up the phone and we continued to drive from Branson back to Bentonville. We rolled into the mission home and there was a letter on the counter and uh, I opened it and it was a letter from Elder Ballard, president of the Quorum of the Twelve. And in that letter, he was instructing our mission as one of 10 worldwide and four in the North America Southwest region at the time or area at the time that we were to start this service test. And I remember feeling so inspired as I read the letter because prior, prior that year, uh, the church had made some announcements about service mission opportunities for young missionaries. And I, I felt at the time that, that it just didn't go quite far enough. What I was seeing in our community is a community that was somewhat resistant to missionaries because they misunderstood why we were here. Uh, I saw missionaries struggling with uh, having meaningful experiences in the mission and with mental health issues. And I just felt like doing more service uh, could be a huge blessing to the missionaries and could further the work. And lo and behold, here was this letter from Elder Ballard and I got very excited. So I, I read the letter and as I got to the end, it said the test was to start February 1st, the exact day that 
elder and sister car arrived in the mission. As I look back on my mission, um, I tried really hard to be diligent, but I don't think I had the vision of how, how much I uh, could have been more effective by just uh, seeing each individual as an opportunity to minister to what they need. You know, you kind of come with this, in a way, a prepackaged message that you're prepared to deliver. And sometimes that can prevent you from seeing somebody as, as just the child of God there and just loving them and wanting to them. To, to give what they really need. But these missionaries who serve can share the gospel while you're working side by side. And it's much more comfortable, it's much more natural, and they do wonderfully at it. And I think that is why, one of the reasons why they love the experience of service so much. And what service has allowed us to do is to network within communities that have never, ever had positive experiences with the church. Uh, my previous experience with Mormon missionaries is they would knock on the door, and you could tell who they were by the way they were dressed. Um, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't have time of day for them. I'm sorry, but that's just me. This way they serve has opened my eyes to what their calling is for these year, year and a half, two years of service. Um, this is concrete service rather than trying to persuade someone who may already have religious upbringing, I think this is a much more valuable way to serve. The power of service in missionary work is not just to go around and mow people's lawns, it's the fact that we have a presence in communities. We show people that we are not just here to try and convert them. We're here to show them love. We're here to encourage them to come closer to Christ. We're here to serve as Christ did. And so if we stop serving, we cease to show them that we are disciples of Christ. In fact, we cease to be disciples of Christ because Jesus Christ never stopped serving. And the minute we stop, the minute we stop being a disciple. They've been tremendous. Without them, we could not run the thrift shop. Be impossible. All the things that they do for us, that my volunteers just find it impossible to do. We could not exist without them. Such valuable work that needs to be done that we can do. And we're just delighted to not only have them with us, but enjoy the relationships that we do with them. It just ripples all the way through the community and not just with this church. It's with other volunteers that come in and see them working. So the twofold blessing of that has been witnessing how the community has, has seen and has worked side by side with missionaries and members. And it's changed the paradigm. They, they, they see them differently. They feel differently about our faith and the members of our faith. There isn't anybody in the world that we don't have something very significant to offer to. And that includes people who aren't ready to accept the fullness of the gospel. And when we, when we go and serve and, um, and uh, just recognize ways that we can bless Heavenly Father's children, I think we're magnifying our calling, we're 
uh, reaching our full potential. And if I could, you know, go back and be a missionary again, I think that's what I would do. I would just see each person as an opportunity to love and minister and, um, and not quite be so worried about the, the back then the memorized discussion that I was ready to, to, to uh, unload on them. I mean, I, I'm not a super big spiritual guy. I'm not a spiritual giant. I, I just like to help out people however I can. I even was like that when I was at home. So, I don't know, doing service and seeing what people truly need, that's, that's been a big difference for me on the mission and, and growing my love for the people and growing my love for missionary work as well. That has really changed my mission because there are some times that I would struggle. <laughs> there are times that I've become prideful with sharing the message and what I know. But through service, I've really come to understand and live the attributes of the Savior. And because of that, I share the gospel with, with all my heart, with the people around me. And service has really taught me that. And I'm truly grateful for that. And the reason why this is so important is because for the mental health of a missionary, when having lists and having agendas um, and having things that they're just doing, they sometimes struggle to see the power of the work that they're participating in. In missionary work, we can't control other people's agency, and a lot of people choose not to accept the gospel, and it's really heartbreaking. It, it hurts every time. Um, but service is something I can control. It's something that allows me to go forth and serve, even if people are saying no to one aspect of it. But it's nice to have a time where you can see that the work that you're doing is meaningful and, and measurable. It's my witness that the, the, the seeds that this has planted will generationally make a difference in the process to, to teach the message of the restoration and have the blessings of salvation affect more people in the, the geography of the stake and the mission. Um, and it couldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, members are out and about more, and organically it's creating relationships and experiences to, to take place on a consistent basis that have softened the hearts of, of neighborhoods, communities, civic organizations, schools, nonprofits, shelters, pantries. The list goes on and on. Just the diversity of service and the works that have been accomplished have opened doors that historically have been closed to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Not just sentiment-wise, but literally, we were not welcomed in certain places because of simply the church that we're a part of. That has changed. It has flipped 180 degrees. You look at uh, this area in northwest Arkansas, the relationships that have been built with the church are, are part of what made it so that the temple could be built without argument, without people complaining, because uh, the stakes and the missionaries have put in a lot of work just to build relationship with the community. And it really has moved forth the kingdom, even if it doesn't always equal baptisms. Missionaries is spreading a message of hope by offering a helping hand. KOAM's Zach Dodd shares how these local volunteers helped a Joplin family through a difficult time. 
Just like seeing them smile, seeing them be happy when um, they're helped out is just, it's amazing. With dad being disabled and mom being between two jobs and me working myself, we really just haven't really had time to upkeep. So we really appreciate them and everything they do. But they explain it's about more than just doing work. It's about showing the light in the world and letting people know they aren't yeah. alone. I feel like it's just kind of a dark time for a lot of people. A lot of people just don't have support and so it's good to be there for them. And now Adam and his fiance might do the same. If I can find somewhere local in Joplin to do the same thing they're doing, I wouldn't mind doing something like that at all. We specifically run our organization with less staff than you might think because it allows us to engage volunteers in what we're doing on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, it also means that, you know, somebody else has to come along and put some skin in the game. And the missionaries that we've had have definitely played that part and put skin in the game and helped us get, get done what needed to be done. The impact that they've had on Habitat for Humanity is uh, just huge. Um, there's been times when we've worked through the winter and it's been very difficult to get uh, volunteers, but they're there every week and I can count on them to, to be there. In this time uh, where COVID has kind of scared everybody away from getting out and doing things, uh, they're here uh, regularly and uh, I appreciate that so much. They've been a big blessing. Due to the COVID, I didn't have uh, volunteers, my normal staffing volunteers that were here on Saturdays. They're awesome. I think the greatest thing is they're true volunteers. They don't care what it is they're doing so long as it's helpful and making forward progress. They brought in 70 bikes that were all old bikes that people had rotated out from being on mission and we started fixing all those and they were learning stuff as we went along that they didn't know previously so we were helping them and they were helping us one of the sisters that i remember she's a non-member we went non-member we went and helped her after the service she just cried and cried and cried we come to find out that her husband was really struggling he was in the hospital she was all by herself all we did was just weeding her garden for her and then she cried and she told us how much that we're angels to her and that we can't imagine how grateful she is for the service that we had done for her. And I have received this testimony and, and my faith has grown much stronger knowing that my Savior lives because I am able to be that instrument in His hands to light up the lives of others around me and be able to, to share His love with them. Um, because of service, I know that God lives and that He loves all of His children. I also know that Jesus Christ lives and I'm truly grateful for service that I can have this power to astonish people sometimes by sharing with them the gospel and to also to lighten up their lives by giving them hope and light through acts of, acts of kindness and, and love uh, through service. It gives us an opportunity to, to all go out and to touch lives um, in a way that, that hasn't really been done in the past. When I think about what, what Christ would do, um, I don't think he would, he would go and give someone something they don't want. He would go and he would do what that person needs. Um, he would, he would help with their needs. And 
what, I, what I've been able to do out here um, in this mission is um, serve people to their needs um, and help them feel and help myself feel the, the love that Christ has for them. And through that, I've been able to feel the love of Christ myself. Um, I don't think that, that can be done in any other way. Um, service is, is the best way to do that. This has been something that I've thought a lot about because I had a lot of people tell me that if it wasn't going anywhere to stop, to stop serving because like it was a waste of my time. But in reality, all service is service. It's us acting as Christ would act. And so why on earth would we stop? Why on earth would we not do something good? It's something that affects someone in a positive way and shows them the love of Christ for them. And so to think that all acts of service has, has to end in a baptism is flawed way of thinking. <laughs> Christ did not go around baptizing people. He went around inviting them to follow him. He went around showing them love and he served them in every way possible. That did not mean that they all were baptized. <laughs> he just loved regardless of whether or not they followed him. In the beginning of my mission, um, I sought to be busy and to fill time um, and to not waste any time and ultimately be the most productive missionary that I could be and chasing that feeling of fulfillment. And, and it's wrong. You know, it doesn't make me a good person. Um, and what we should be thinking about is if we touched anybody that day and helped them feel good about themselves. I'm here to, to help myself become a lifelong disciple of Jesus Christ. It says it in the, in the mission credo. Um, I'm a lifelong disciple of Jesus Christ. And if, if we're not striving to become like that um, every day, and we're just going by, teaching lessons, doing missionary activities in a not Christ-like way, it's, I, I think we're missing. So we're now two and a half years into this journey. You know, after six months, uh, the test was very successful. We saw, we actually saw key indicators improve modestly, although that was not one of the objectives Elder Ballard had for the test. He just wanted us to uh, see if we could meaningfully impact the quality of the experience the missionaries were having, help missionaries with mental health issues and build bridges in the communities that we were living and working in. But nevertheless, indicators improved modestly, and we saw significant improvements in the mental health of missionaries and certainly in the relationships that we had in the community. And Elder Bellard then instructed us to uh, just operate the mission that way. And so that was two years ago. So fast forward two years, here we are. We do almost 2,000 hours of community service per week across their mission. We literally serve dozens and dozens of institutions and hundreds of individuals. Um, our missionaries... Uh, when we got here, astonishingly, we in our health council meetings, we had almost 40 missionaries on our health council tracker that were struggling with mental health issues. Last week, we had two. Um, we, we get letters, emails, voicemails from the recipients of the service throughout the communities in our mission, um, expressing just profound love and gratitude for our missionaries. And they have a real sense for who our missionaries are. You know, so many of the the conceptions that people have about missionaries and about our church are false. And they're based on not having had any actual exposure to the people in the church. But if you, if you serve shoulder to shoulder with some missionaries in a soup kitchen for three or four months, you can't help but leave that experience changed. And, uh, 
And we've changed hearts and minds in this mission in a powerful way. I will tell you a key ingredient in all of this has been the incredible support and love we get from the state presidents and from a small little army of senior service missionaries, all of whom are local, like Elder and Sister Carr, that help our missionaries make this happen every day throughout the mission. And it's been a profound success. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing great. You can go ahead and bring up that first slide. You know, I, I sincerely want to be able to say it's great to be with you, but it is not great to be with you. Uh, it would be great if I was down there and somebody else was up here. And so in about 15 minutes, it's going to be great to be with you. So to make myself feel better, I had to start with this slide because I just feel like an imposter. And you're gonna hear over the next two days from all these really unique and interesting people, and then you're gonna hear from me. And I'm so ordinary and typical, but uh, I take strength from this. I, I, this is really the spirit uh, in which I stand before you today. I think that spirit is this, we're all beggars. And what we try to do is show other beggars where we found a crust of bread. And so I, I stand before you as a fellow beggar and offer you a few crusts of bread. Uh, Richard Rohr made this wonderful, wonderful statement. He said, before the truth, the truth sets you free, it's going to make you miserable. Now you're laughing because you know that's true, right? You've experienced that. And the reason that it happens is because we prop ourselves up with things that aren't true. You know, they might be little things that we prop our egos up with, or we use to allay our fears, or maybe to nurture our pride, or maybe to seek affirmation, or maybe just to fit in. And, and God has a way of extracting those things from us over time, and it, and it hurts a little bit. Now, not to make too big a deal of that, because it's normal and it's natural part of life. It's a little bit like that moment when you realize, you know what? It's time to move to a larger size pair of jeans, right? And, and, and it's liberating. It's psychologically miserable, but in, a, in another way, it's liberating. And so that's really what we're talking about today. What, what did you think of the video? Yeah. So, <laughs> I need to quickly move past the video, or I'll do this for the next 12 minutes. But um, as amazing as the video is, seeing it happen live was 10 times better, right? These amazing junior missionaries and then a little army of senior couples, uh, they just did all these spectacular good things. And the, the catalyst for that was just simply giving them permission to do it, 
telling them it was okay, encouraging them to do it. They didn't need any help beyond permission, and it was really spectacular. Um, the most surprising outcomes for me uh, were, were twofold. The first one was people in these communities were absolutely astonished by this. Not that it happened, but that it was us, Latter-day Saints, Latter-day Saint missionaries. The second thing is in spite of the amazing things that happened, there are very few missions in the world that are doing this today. And I think that says something about our culture that's probably not good. And so it's, it's well illustrated by this little joke. Maybe you've heard this joke, but this is a joke that's told about us by other people, and it goes something like this. So there was this wonderful woman named Mary, and Mary lived a great life, and she died. And she went to heaven, and of course, Peter, St. Peter, met her at the pearly gates, and he invited her in and welcomed her warmly and graciously, and it was a glorious moment. And Peter said, well, would you like me to show, show you around? And she said, of course. And so he's giving her a tour, and there are thousands and thousands of people there, and it's a beautiful and glorious place. And then she notices that in the center of the place is a very tiny group of people. And they're sitting in a circle on folding metal chairs. And they're facing each other with their backs turned to everybody else. And Mary notices this, and it's so unusual and peculiar. And she says, St. Peter, who are those people? And he says, oh, those are our good friends, the Latter-day Saints. And she says, hmm, interesting. Why are they sitting like that? And he winks at her, and he says, well, they just haven't figured out yet. They're not the only ones that are here. Before I share my crusts of bread, I want to just establish a little bit of context. Most of you probably know who David Brooks is. David is a columnist that writes for the New York Times, and LDS people tend to like David because we have very similar values, and he writes stuff that we like to read. And in 2017, he wrote a book called The Road to Character. And by the way, if you haven't read that book, I'd recommend you read it. He wrote another one a couple years ago called The Second Mountain, fabulous book. And David refers to himself as a very average man with above-average communication skills, and he's very insightful. And so he came to BYU in 2017 to talk about the ideas in his book, and, and he did a devotional, and that's available to watch, and it's fabulous. But here's some of what David said. He talked about this spiritual crisis that's happening in our society, and he refers to it as a relational crisis, a, a crisis where millions of people are just being consumed with loneliness and despair. And I'm just going to borrow a little bit about what he said, uh, because he provides some sobering data. The first thing is that 35% of people over age 45 are chronically lonely. That only 8% of them have meaningful conversations with their neighbors. And, and uh, only 32% trust their neighbors. And if they're millennials, that falls to 18%. Um, the largest growing religious group is unaffiliated. The largest growing political movement is unaffiliated. College depression rates have doubled in the last 10 years. The suicide rate is up 30% versus 10 years earlier to about 45,000 a year. Think about that. That's as many deaths, uh, almost as many deaths as happened in the entire Vietnam War happen every year in our country via suicide. 
the teenage suicide rate is up 70%, and 72,000 people die every year in this country from opioids. A crisis. Um, T.S. Eliot, the great writer, prophetically penned these words over 70 years ago. Where is the life that we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom that we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in 20 centuries bring us farther from God and nearer to dust. I wonder what he would say now. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson made this interesting observation that I'm sure you've heard, but the observation is this, a mind stretched by a new idea will never again return to its original dimensions. Uh, Sarah and I served three years and we were stretched and we will never be the same. Now, what happened, a lot of that was good. And if you listen to the podcast, I talk about that. But some of it was painful. And it was painful because we learned that some of the things that we believe deeply in that are part of LDS culture just aren't true. And so God has a way of extracting that from you. And it's, it's difficult when it happens because you, you look back and you long for the time when you were comfortable and safe in your beliefs, and you were surrounded by like-minded people. It's a good place to be. And then that's taken away from you. And the reason that it is is because you learn that certain things that you hold dear are not true, like the size of the, your waistline. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share five crusts of bread. Now, each one is a pair of words that tend to go together, followed by a statement that illustrates the distortion. And here's the first one. There's this thing we wrestle with in the church. Are we members of a church, or to what degree are we members of a church, or are we disciples of Jesus Christ? And the distortion is that your membership in the church alone will make you a good person. Number two, we wrestle with turning inward versus turning outward. Do I, do I find peace by turning inward and working on myself, or do I find it by turning outward and helping others? The distortion is that you can find healing, meaning, and peace by focusing on yourself, if it's religious or spiritual or a church thing. It's just not true. Uh, number three, as you, as you seek inspiration in your life and you look to go forward, do you find that inspiration in tradition? Or do you have eyes to see what's actually happening right in front of you? The distortion is that our traditions are a lamp that light our way. Number four, um, we're a church that has wonderful rites and rituals and places of worship, and they're precious to us, and they should be because they're important and good. And then there's this idea of pure religion undefined that James, the brother of Jesus, talked about of visiting the, the fatherless and the widows in their afflictions. And the distortion is that the pinnacle of our religious experience is in those rites, rituals, and places of worship. And finally, number five, I don't know about you, but I, I, as a young missionary so many years ago, 40 years ago, I started to realize that heaven isn't a place that happens after you die. It happens now. 
And you start, you start moving that direction in your life immediately. And so there's this question of what kind of place is it? Is it a sanctuary? Is it a sanctuary, a place of refuge? Or is it a place where you can have impact? And the distortion is that heaven is a sanctuary. So what, I'm sorry this is such a long list, but I'm going to briefly hit this. So what exactly changed for Sarah and I? Um, quite a bit. And this was a result of our, our experiences in swimming in this deep pool. But the first one was that the biggest opposition we experienced with what you saw today was actually members of the church and church leaders who were convinced this wasn't real missionary work. The second thing I would share is the biggest victory that we experienced was seeing these missionaries absolutely transformed by losing themselves in the service of others instead of trying to rack up missionary points. Our biggest learning was that what we were supposed to do in the mission became very easy to see once we let go of tradition, our pride, and our fear. And oh, by the way, that one hurt a lot. Um, our biggest, our most confrontational experience was seeing that our most spiritual and religious experiences almost never happened in a church building. The biggest gift we took away was that meaning and peace are not things you can give to yourself no matter how hard you try. They're things that other people will give to you that you think you're serving and find out that they're serving you. And the most uncomfortable thing we learned was that disciples of Jesus Christ are firemen. And firemen don't stand outside where it's safe. They go in. So where would I encourage you to maybe look for your crusts of bread? I think four things. I, I, would, I would encourage you to spend some time thinking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And be honest about that. And, and if you're not a little uncomfortable... As you go through that process, you probably didn't do it right. Um, second, um, have eyes to see and, and let go of tradition, pride, selfishness, and the need for acceptance. Things we all have, but let go of those and just let God show you with your own eyes what's in front of you. And by the way, if you're in that LDS snow globe, you know that little snow globe that we get lost in, leave occasionally. And, and go out and just look and listen. And God will show you and tell you what you need to do. And then finally, be a fireman and go in. Uh, I'm going to conclude with one of my favorite scriptures, the words of the Savior to all of us. Learn of me and listen to my words and walk in the meekness of my spirit and you shall have peace in me. Thank you so much. God bless. All right, thanks so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this presentation by Jeff Strong from our Restore Gathering last year. If Faith Matters content is resonating with you and you get the chance, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. We read all of the reviews and it really does help us to get the word out about Faith Matters and we appreciate the support. Thanks again for listening and remember you can check out more at faithmatters.org.